I, I believe the only answer to our culture, the only answer to crisis, the only answer to all of these things is that we evangelize one on one. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. This is Dave Van Vickle, and I'm not joined by Gomer this week, but uh, I am confident he'll be back next week. I hope you all are well in this craziness. This is this is a this is a wild time, huh? Uh, in to be in the world right now during this election season and all the craziness right now on Facebook and on in the media and everything like that. It's just, it's nuts. You know, I feel very much isolated from society because we don't like our television is not really hooked up to anything. So we don't have news sources, um, other than, other than social media. And every time somebody posts something, you know, Facebook puts something on there saying that it needs to like fact check this or something. So I have no idea what's going on out there. For all I know, Kanye won the presidency in in all honesty. I, I really don't know much more than that. And uh, I, I just know it's wild out there. Uh, it's it's a turbulent time. I'm sure a lot of people feel, a lot of people seem to feel a lot of stress about this election. You know, I, I, I'm not normally a person who gets stressed out about elections, but I feel everyone else's stress right now. So um, there must be something, something special right now, you know. And so we'll just continue to pray, right? Um, I'm, I'm reminded constantly this this phrase uh, this quote from Corey Tenboom that has saved my life. And I think I brought it up over the last like several episodes, but right. The tree on the mountain has little to do, uh, in the face of a storm other than put its roots down deep. Uh, that's, that's all we can do. That's all we can do. Brothers and sisters is make sure that our roots are as deep as possible, right? That we are living lives of holiness because if, if you are truly living a life of holiness, nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch you, right? I mean, there's there's just no, you know, as Paul says, I've learned to to live in lack and I've learned to live in abundance, right? That there's there's and we know who our king is. So nothing to worry about here. Nothing to worry about. I have a lot of stuff coming up. Um if you've uh, checked, uh, I don't know if you've checked my my new website that I've been working on. I have two two new websites. I kind of phased out my old one. Uh, thesinnersguide.com, which was like the very first blog I ever started a long time ago uh, when I started to do any kind of online evangelization or kind of uh, doing more public things like that. And I phased that out um, because uh, so much of my ministry has gotten involved in uh, teaching people about spiritual warfare. So I have a website called the Catholic Truth about angels and demons.com. You should check that out because I have a lot of stuff coming up uh, that you might be interested in. And then I also... Um, because so many people ask me to put things on the internet as far as evangelization goes, I started uh, the art of evangelization.com, art of evangelization.com. Uh, and I plan to live up to my promises on that. Uh, so if I say, you know, I'll post it on my website uh, on this, on this uh, podcast and I'll, I'll, that's where it will be art of evangelization.com. And I plan to do a little bit of writing there about evangelization and discipleship and, most of all, just provide free resources for people who are out there evangelizing and uh, and have heard, maybe heard an episode and heard me talk about my uh, uh, 
devotional model or or any any number of things uh, that I've talked about. Uh, I'm going to try and put that dump that all into that website. So check it out. Of course, Gomer's website is a wealth of information. Layevangelist.com. You should always check that out as well. And the people who sponsor this podcast, AscensionPress.com. Right? I mean, they have tons and tons and tons of stuff. You could could pretty much uh, get an education of the lifetime between those websites that I just mentioned. So, so check them out. So today what I wanted to do is answer three emails that I've gotten. And these, these emails were sent to me personally over the last, I'd say, three or four months or so. And I think that there are three pretty general evangelization emails. You know, sometimes I think we get into this podcast and we talk a little too specific and when we get a move away from general evangelization. And I think the three of these emails, even though they're very unique, they'll they'll speak to just general evangelization and they'll be fruitful for all of us. And so I want to take a crack at answering all three of them today on the episode. I, I want us to kind of put ourselves in the position of these of these people who wrote in to me um, asking for the their specific situation. OK, so so let's just jump into the first one. The first one is. Uh, an old friend of mine, uh, she uh, has been, uh, she's graduated probably like four years ago, I'm guessing, from from college. And she works uh, on Wall Street. And she is, you know, she's a young person. And she's a, you know, going out every night. And she's asking me about bar evangelization. So, dear Dave, you know, every night I'm finding myself at bars. This is where we socialize after work. I'd really love your tips on bar evangelization. I know you've talked about it a little bit in the past, but is there anything, any questions, any things I can be doing to actively evangelize while I'm out like this? Uh, this is the way we socialize after work, and this is how I get to know my coworkers outside the office, and we are there very, very often. So uh, she lives in New York, which I don't even know what it's like there right now. I don't know if they're doing any bar evangelization now, but this is from a while back, and she was obviously thinking about this. So I, I think probably bar evangelization, besides parish evangelization, bar evangelization is the thing I have the most experience with. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I'm the best at it. As far as very culturally savvy, uh, hip, right? I'm kind of a Luddite with stuff like that, right? I'm not at home in a bar at all. Usually pretty uncomfortable, especially if it's like a club kind of a thing. But I have a lot of experience in bar evangelization because before I started doing the speaking uh, the main way that I boosted my income was by working security at bars uh, before uh, I'd say probably probably that probably ended like 10 years ago. No, no, it couldn't be that long. Maybe like eight years ago. Uh, so oftentimes, right, I'd be at bars working. Uh, and so I knew the culture. I knew all that kind of stuff. But um, I wasn't there as a patron. But I, I would say bar evangelization is like ripe, right? That That's a field that is ripe for harvest. And and there's a few reasons why. The the first is um, the community's already there, right? You know, community is like a first step uh, in evangelization, right? Community reaching out, uh, trust is a first step in evangelization, and community is already there, right? If you're out with people and things like that. Uh, the second thing is, depending on the kind of bar you're going to, like if it's a if it's a bar bar and not like a club, the main uh, how can I say this? Activity is conversation, right? Um, you know, th there, there's probably going to be some TVs there with sports on or something like that. But for the most part, if you're going to these places, what you're doing is you're having a drink over a conversation. And so that, that's another 
right right off the bat, those two things, we're going to check those boxes. And and for the most part, these conversations are probably going to stay within, mm, let's say, three to four people for the whole entire night, depending on how long you stay there. So, so you've got time, right? You've got the conversation part down. You've got the community part down even like, uh, it might not be super authentic or deep community, but you're there, right? You're there. You're, you're there as friends. You're certainly not there as enemies or anything like that. So I, I totally get why you would be going to this bar, these bars and thinking, oh my gosh, this place is a great place to evangelize because I, I remember, I remember vividly thinking that very often. The other thing I would say is this, bars are an easy place to encounter people that are uh, on the outer rims of religion, on the outer rims of morality, right? I mean, you can you can encounter people who, let's just say this, uh, I'm not judging everyone who goes to bars, certainly, but what I would say is this, it's an easy place to encounter a lot of people who desperately need to hear the word of God, right? Who need to hear the gospel preached to them. So uh, that that is exactly why I started to evangelize. So I'm going to give you a, a few a few thoughts right off the bat, okay, uh, uh, on on how to start to engage in this. Okay, the first thing is make your language a little bit more evangelical. Okay, if somebody says something about uh, wanting to get a promotion at work, rather than say that you hope they'll get it or uh, you know, something like that. Just, just pepper into your language, just evangelical words. Like for instance, I'll pray that I'll say a prayer that you get it. I really will. I'll say a prayer that you get it. Uh, that kind of thing, it can be very, very disarming. Okay. It can be very disarming and it can very much like put a person in a position where they're wondering, huh, there's something different there, right? That's different than what other people have said different than what most of the people in this bar would say. So that's one thing. Number two, from what from the bars that I worked in, now I, I worked in some pretty awful places, but uh, what one of the things I learned is you got to control your face, right? You got to control your face in all evangelization. But I think this is particularly true for parents and particularly true for evangelizing in the margins, right? Far off. You're going to hear some pretty awful stuff. You're going to see some pretty awful stuff. You're going to hear some some things that, you know, you almost consider blasphemy and things like that. And one of the things that you can do right off the bat is kind of push people away with a look of your face, right? We all know people like this, right? That they can say a thousand words with just the look of their face, right? And if if somebody says something to you that is shocking and you're trying to uh, engage this person so that you can share the gospel with them, one of, the e- one of the best ways is just be careful about the way you respond to them, right? Hold your judgment there. Hold your judgment there. Uh, watch your posture. Watch your face, your facial expressions. Watch all those things and hold your judgment so that they can, they can have a chance to open up to you. Now, I'm not saying that you put up with the junk of our, of our society or our culture, right? That, that's not what I'm saying at all. I have always been able to strike a balance, and I believe anyone can strike a balance between letting people know what I believe firmly and truly, and also being able to keep the lines of communication open, right? I, I have never, ever in my life had a problem telling people that I believe in the moral teaching of the church, um, and very commonly, that has not been an issue for evangelization. So I'm not saying just take it. I'm just saying... Sometimes it's best 
to just suspend your judgment at least uh, with regards to your body language so that you can have the further conversation. Okay, number three, number three for my tip. Let, let the culture that you're in do what it does and be ready to respond. Let the culture that you're in do what it does and be ready to respond. I, I've worked in bars that you are probably going to, right? I've, I've worked in places like this, okay? Th- this is what happens. The culture that the young adult community is right now, especially if you're in finance, if you're in these places where there's you know thousands of young adults working for these firms and they're going out every night, right? They're using things like Tinder. They're using things like TikTok, right? This kind of stuff. That culture eats them up and spits them out like you wouldn't believe, right? Uh, it, it is it is human crushing, right? That's the way it is. And many of them, many of them are going to find themselves more than once or twice or three times a year in some state of crisis. Now, it might not be crisis in the sense that uh, they've lost their job. They don't know where they're going to turn. They don't know what to do. But certainly, very commonly, right, they're going to find themselves at a place where they don't want to be there, right? Maybe a breakup happens. Maybe uh, something else like that, some interpersonal issues, maybe something at work. And if you are a person who they know they can trust, right, if you're a person who they know they can they can speak to and you'll listen, right, uh, that a person who maybe even has some special wisdom, right, um, a person of depth, which I know you are and I know we all strive to be, they're going to come to you at those moments and that oftentimes is like a perfect time to say, you know, I don't really have an answer for you, but what always helps me is when I pray. Would you like to pray? These kinds of things, right? These are easy steps into evangelization. And God is, remember, don't be afraid, right? God is is dying to break into these places, you know? And, and you walk into these places and some of them, you know, some of the places I worked in, you think like, well, this, this is the last place on earth God would ever want to be in, right? But remember, he was born into a manger, right? He was born into a mess. So God just desperately wants to reign in those places and you can easily bring them. So those those three tips are what I'd start with. Um, there are some there are some organizations that uh, specifically focus on bar evangelization and I'm sure that they they have resources that you can look at. But what I would say is those three things will get you pretty far, right? Evangelizing in that kind of setting, uh, and of course, those principles can be applied to work. They can be applied to pretty much any situation. But specifically for bar evangelization, I mean, I, I evangelized hundreds of people, hundreds of people in bars. And I am not, guys, I, I'm not a good evangelist. I'm not. Uh, I just am willing. Uh, Skill-wise, I'm just, I'm not that kind of person. I'm never going to, it's very rare for me to be able to to learn something and apply it real quickly and I, I kind of have this rule like where I don't, I don't really outwardly share or use things unless I've, I've been able to implement them into my life. So it's not like I'm a fast learner or anything like that, but I'm telling you, uh, these cultures are ripe for evangelization. These subcultures, people who are going to bars, I, I, hundreds of people uh, I, I am still in contact with that I have been able to talk with because of bar evangelization. And so uh, I, I'd encourage you do it, go out and do what you are ready to do. Uh, I can tell you're excited about it and, uh, you know, 
God be with you. Go out to the peripheries and bring them back to the bosom of the church. Okay. Good to hear from you. The next email uh, comes from uh, someone who I, I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm excited that you wrote. Um, she uh, She's a public school teacher, and she's wondering how she can evangelize her students. She said she's a public school teacher in an inner city, and she is heartbroken by what she's seeing in the lives of her students. Is there anything she can do to evangelize these students? Well, I, what I would say, uh, Kaylee, is that a few preliminary thoughts. I don't really know what the laws are and the rules are for public teachers. I don't know how that works. I don't know how, what you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say. I, I really don't. Um, so I'm going to kind of speak to it as if you aren't allowed to do too much. A uh, few things. Okay. I know a lot of public schools have some sort of interfaith uh, group at the school. Okay that meets maybe once a week before school starts or right after school starts. Uh, I, I don't know what these groups are called, but I know I've heard of them before. Uh, they meet and they pray together for the school. Uh, one of the things I would consider for you is I would consider joining that group, right? Number one, it gives that group credibility. Number two, it right off the bat tells uh, the students that you are a Christian, right? Um, so they know that you're that kind of person. So if they had a question about that, they could come to you. I think that that would help, right, to, to join some kind of group like that. And if there isn't one and, and it's possible to get one, maybe think about sponsoring that. Number two, I would very clearly, while you might not be able to proclaim the gospel inside a public school, right, which it seems like from your email that you're saying there are some constraints there, make it very clear what you believe morally, okay? And 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 here here's why. Uh that that right there is is a part of the face of the Christ of Christ right uh, the the moral teaching of the church is part of a re- the revelation right part of the good news and so uh, you know God can catch someone in any net that we throw out there um, and and make it clear right that you're a person of 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 morals even if you can't make it clear that you're a person of faith make it very clear that you're a person of morals right and the more they respect you, which they will, I can tell just from your email, the more you, uh, you know, the more they will kind of start to think about that, right? You can be a, a light in the darkness uh, for, for these kids. Number three, I've, I've said this a million times. I'm sure there are listeners who are going to roll their eyes because I say it so much, but I am convinced, right, that the culture of sarcasm, the culture of isolation, the culture of you name it, that our teenagers are growing up in is so destructive to them, but at the same time, so um, perfect situation for us to wade into. Uh, What I mean is very few people listen to these kids. Uh, I I found that in, you know, two years that I did youth ministry, uh, because we we couldn't we we weren't finding the right youth minister, so I I just took over. I I just found like these wonderful kids, right? And they came from great families, but the culture of the family right now is at an all time low, I think. And no one was listening to them, right? No one was really asking what their story was. No one was really asking what they believed. And and I'm not I'm I'm not suggesting you become like the guy from Dead Poet Society, right? and affirm everything that they say. I definitely don't think that's the way to go. 
what I'm saying is very few people actually listen to them. And I mean that amongst their peers and their families. And I think listening to them and having personal conversations with them where you find out what their hopes and dreams are, you find out what they really truly want to do with their life and affirming those kinds of things. I think that can make a big difference. You know, when somebody says, well, I really want to do that. And you say, let me, let me throw out an example. Why I'd really love to be a professional football player. And you say, oh, you know, I saw you play football. Boy, I bet if you work hard enough, you'll do it. These are little tiny steps that can go really far into the heart of a child, which is what they are. I mean, they're, they're almost adults, but basically our society only makes children now, right? Uh, so really listening to them, using their names is another thing, right? Using their names. I know it sounds stupid and simple, but using their names is unbelievably important. Why? We live in a culture of sarcasm. They have nicknames. They're called nicknames. No one ever uses their name. I know this sounds crazy, but I'm just telling you right now, my, my daughter, Josie, she's six years old and she has this funny personality trait where every, almost every sentence when she's talking to you, she uses your name. Uh, so she talks to my son, Judah, right? And she says, where are you going, Judah? How did you do that, Judah? How did you do it? And it's really refreshing when you hear her talk, right? Because it's like, there's an identity there, right? This is Judah. It's not just, hey, you. It's not the kid who failed. It's not the kid who's this, the kid who's that. It's not all these other identities. It's like their, their origin identity, right? That their parents gave them from birth and and that, you know, God gave them to their parents. It's, it's this, it's a special, it's a special thing. And so I would say, learn their names, use their names and memorize as much about them as you can. Not in a, not in a fake way, just honestly be interested in their lives, right? That I'm going to tell you right now, you will be, you will be a force, a powerful force. I, I, I think I've told you this story before. I, I've had a, I had a youth minister one time that had this this poor girl had this massive crisis in her life and he brought her up to my office to talk and and we were sitting there talking and he he was there and throughout the conversation when he would speak to her and I was pretty much just listening I realized he wasn't using her name and it was a big youth ministry I mean there were you know uh, 60 70 kids right and afterwards I I asked him I said you know uh why didn't you use her name you know why didn't you use her name and he said, I, I couldn't remember it, you know, well, that, that's unacceptable for me. <laughs> Needless to say, his contract was not renewed. Uh, get to know them, get deep into their lives, make sure they know you care. Right. And that, that will create the ground necessary for uh, the evangelization that you want to occur. And, and even in some ways it is evangelization. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next email. So this is an interesting one, a really interesting one. Uh, sir, I, I would say that this is, um, I, I don't think I've ever encountered this before. So uh, let me know if you if you are in a situation like this. So a uh, young man, uh, he went to a very evangelical Catholic college. He, uh, he really is anxious to, um, to evangelize. He got into finance. He works for a small firm. His boss found out that he's very religious. His boss got very excited. And his boss said, brought him aside one day and said, hey, I have an idea. He said, I've always had this thought that what if we started a Bible study here at the firm before work and just invited whoever wanted to come? And he, and, and the, this young man says, right, 
well, why don't you start it? And he said, because I'm the boss, I would feel weird about that. I would feel so strange about like asking people to come. I feel like they'd think that they had to. What if you started it? So he is going to start a Bible study at this firm and invite people. And he's asking for tips. What should he do? So I'm going to give you the three most simple Bible study tips I could possibly, possibly think of. Okay. Number one is this. Serve some food, food and coffee, right? Easy, easy thing to do. Offer coffee, donuts, bagels, whatever. Serve something. Be hospitable. Okay. Uh, have it before work. Number two. Okay. Number two, make it very, very simple and, and allow for plenty of time for the discussion to branch into community building, uh, personal, those kinds of things. Don't, don't make this deep and theological. Don't do that. Uh, here's why it'll get there if it needs to. But more importantly, if you're using this to evangelize people, you want to have those conversations about uh, their stories. You want to hear where they're coming from, what they feel, what they think. Uh, that, that is going to be really, really, really important. Tip number three, tip number three, okay? You might plant seeds in your Bible study, uh, and that's great, but I would, I would make sure that you bring those seeds to fruition in personal relationship, okay? Personal relationship. Uh, taking people to lunch, uh, meeting with people one-on-one, -on -one, uh, making sure that you are, you know, the person, the go-to person at work, right? Nobody's like, you know, I can't, don't think you're, they don't think you're not reliable or anything like that. Okay. What seeds are planted in that Bible study, you know, harvest them in personal relationship. Those, those three tips right there, right off the bat would be, I, I promise you, you'll see a different culture at your work, right? If you start this. And, uh, and the other thing I would say is to, to your boss, he can walk that line, right? You, you tell, you tell him, right? He can, he can walk the line. He could have some part in this Bible study without making people feel pressured, right? All you got to do is say it. You got to be over the top. I have, I have a really close friend who owns a, a, a company here and, uh, He's constantly putting books on his workers' desk and things like that. And, and they, you know, they don't read them or anything he says, you know, but he's a good man, right? He's an honorable man. They respect him. And when when push comes to shove, when there's problems in his life, right, they go to him. Uh, so I, I would just say to you, th those three things is how I would start. I wouldn't use any kind of a program. I would maybe just, uh, you could use the Gospels. But remember, this is going to be an interfaith thing. It's not going to be necessarily a Catholic thing although I'm sure those questions will come up and, uh, and slowly just start to get to know the people and, and let them open up their stories to you, uh, build your personal relationships and harvest the, the, the fruits of the seeds that you planted in that Bible study. Yeah. So I, I hope that these three emails, uh, the answers, uh, helped you guys today. Um, you know, these, this is general evangelization. Once again, I, I am, I am such a believer in non-programmatic evangelization, I, I believe the only answer to our culture, the only answer to crisis, the only answer to all of these things is that we evangelize one-on-one, -on -one, meaning that you, you, you don't have to start some huge thing. You just go out and encounter the culture and that you are ready to answer the call to spread the kingdom of heaven. I, I, I truly believe that that is the answer that each and every one of us 
takes up our call as Christians to uh, to go to the ends of the earth and bring the good news with us uh, to each person, to to everywhere we meet. Uh, and I and I'm not saying to be the most annoying person on earth, right? I'm not saying that. Uh, I've tried it; it doesn't work. What I'm saying is, don't be afraid to evangelize, and don't feel like you need a program. Don't feel like you need a process. Just go out and be holy and ready to bring the gospel into every situation and every life. Uh, we're going to step away for a minute here, and you're going to hear a, an ad from our friends at Ascension Press. Gomer and I love being part of the Ascension Press community, and we love doing this podcast. It has been such a blessing in our life to hear from all of you out there and to uh, really uplifting to know that there's so many people out there just actively evangelizing. If you've never uh, had a chance to give us a rating, we'd love it if you'd bless us with that on whatever uh, podcast app you use to listen to this, if you'd give us a, a rating and, and maybe even leave a comment for us. It helps uh, other people to find us and it helps the, the podcast to grow. Also, uh, whatever you hear in this ad from Ascension Press, I can guarantee you it's high quality. It's great. You're going to learn something from it. So check out ascensionpress.com uh, for, for awesome, awesome, awesome faith resources. We'll be right back. Confirmation prep is so important because it could be the moment where candidates connect deeply to their Catholic faith, even at Jesus Christ himself. But the gap between how it is and how it could be is often wide, especially these days. And parishes and their catechists could use vision, training, and strategy. I'm Colin McIver, an author at Ascension and also youth minister at a parish. We created the Catechist Field Guide to Confirmation to help catechists ace confirmation prep, no matter their skill or experience teaching teens. The Field Guide gives catechists the insights and guidance they need to feel confident as they take on the mission of sharing the faith with their confirmation candidates. The Field Guide contains a crash course in confirmation, an understanding of the five stages of effective confirmation prep, classroom management strategies and information about teaching the faith, a deep dive into the art of confirmation, and let's not forget a section on how to use technology to navigate these unprecedented times. Our hope here at Ascension is that this field guide will be an important tool in making confirmation prep more of what it could be, a kickstart to lifelong discipleship for your candidates. To order your copy today, go to ascensionpress.com. Welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. Again, it's just me this week, Dave Van Vickle, uh, but I'm happy to be here with you. And we covered three emails this week. I feel like we plowed through. I hope that uh, I hope I didn't talk your ear off, but uh, I feel like we we got some some good work done. Uh, I'm just going to give you one practical takeaway, right? The one thing I didn't mention in all three of these situations, the one thing I didn't mention. And that is the key, right, to all of this, the soul of the apostolate, intercessory prayer, intercessory prayer in all three of these situations, bar evangelization, public school teacher, uh, corporate uh, Bible study, right? All three of these things, intercessory prayer is going to be a key that unlocks the hearts of all men, right? So make sure, right, that you're, you're covered in intercessory prayer. Don't ever try to evangelize without praying for a person first, right? Right. Uh, Ask God for the soul. Ask God for the soul. And, and God, uh, I'm sure, will be more than willing to give that soul to you, right? But, but please uh, make sure that that's what you're doing. So think of someone this week 
your one practical takeaway, right? Think of someone this week who you, uh, the nut you've been trying to crack, right? Uh, that one person that you've been trying to reach and, and do something intercessory for them. Offer up something, do something to try to make them, uh, to that, ask God to open their heart. I hope you all are well. You're always in our prayers. Please, please, please continue to keep us in our prayers and those that we speak to and meet. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. 